You're listening to Clock Radio Speakers with Armand and Doc. This week's episode is split into two sides. This is Side A. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Clock Radio Speakers. I'm your co-host, Armand Wake Up. You can follow me on all social media at Armand Wake Up, A-R-M-O-N-D, Wake Up, all one word. More important than that, please, please, please follow the official Clock Radio Speakers Twitter handle at CRS Podcast. I said I was going to plug the website before I plug social media. So go to clockradiospeakers.com. All previous 300 some odd episodes are there. Uh, We're also available on every, pretty much everywhere you get podcasts, except for you know where and you know why. Um, And Doc is here. Doc, what's good? Oh, man. Uh, Things are pretty good, all things considered, I guess. I don't know. I want to say things are all right, but then I feel guilty if I say things are all right. But now I'm I'm lying. I don't know. It's it's a weird world we live in, but I'm doing okay. Uh, but y'all can follow me if you want on Twitter or on on Instagram. It's at Doc underscore Beats. That's not a Z in both places. But like Armand said, just go to CollectRadiSpeakers.com. Check out what we're doing there. If you're a fan of the show and you're not already a Patreon subscriber, first of all, you should check it out. But really, doing? the real first of all is thank you to everybody who is subscribing to our Patreon. We appreciate yes. it. Um, we've been trying to make sure that we give you not just, you know, bonus audio for each episode, but that we also, you know, from time to time try to drop little goodies in there and we hope you all appreciate that and hope you all stick around. But uh but yeah man, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Lots of things are moving and shaking. You know what I'm saying? Taking a taking a break um after this this project, you know, it's been taken off the streets and uh, you know, just joining the 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 downturn of the summer. You know, got a few few weeks left with my kids while they're here. So just trying to enjoy them and um that's it, dog. Like I'm I'm chilling low key. I'm chilling. And it's perfect timing, right? Because last week, uh, the Black Jordans and White Sox project that was the uh, that was the end of when it was going to be available for sale on Bandcamp. And so, of mm. course, now that people can't buy it anymore, now <laughs> we are joined this week by special guest Taylor Gray, who's going to help us. Who's going to help us talk about it? Taylor, how you doing? Man, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm uh, I'm trying to keep it even keel, but I can't complain. I can't c- complain. You're right. The timing is hilarious. <laughs> Right. It's like now that we're really going to dive in and make people think, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I, I look at it as a reward for those who just went on ahead and, and decided to support, you know. So, you know, get a couple DMs and emails, you know, please make it available for one more day. But like, I don't know. I feel like two weeks was plenty of time, especially in today's in today's environment. So let's just reward, you know, those who support it. Thank you guys who who bought it. And um, yeah, let's let's get into the to the specifics. So let me start right there. Uh, why why put this only up for sale, not on streaming, and why time limited? Uh, who's who's better suited to answer that, Taylor? Me or you? Um, I think I think you were you were probably more. Well, I don't know. Maybe we played a, both played a role in some of the strategy. Um, but I will say, from my perspective. Um, there's this idea of creating value and, you know, basically dictating the avenues that people are able to access your content. And um, this was just one of those projects. This is one of those projects Armand and I have been kind of like talking about uh, over the years as like, like a casual thing, like, you know, Hey, you know, we should do a project. We should, we should do a, uh, an EP. We should, we should do a joint project and, you know, kind of all of those things were, were starting to, to become more popular over the years. We saw a lot of joint projects happening over recent years. 
And um, we would get the comments from here and there, like, hey, you guys should do a joint project. Love to hear you guys do a joint project together. And, you know, I'm one of those people that believes, like, timing is important. And um, we had just kind of been going through the whole COVID community podcast that we um, explored just out of nowhere and decided to work through it. And this project was was just literally, I think, kind of a, an outflow of our relationship, just as friends. And that's the way I love to work. And if I believe in a project in, in terms of its timing, in terms of its chemistry, in terms of, of its importance, in terms of a contribution, then I feel like people should invest in that, you know, like in, and then let me tell you how to invest in it. And then also let me tell you that um, it won't necessarily be at your leisure. It'll be for a defined amount of time. And Armand and I kind of bounce back and forth to, to um, identify those terms and to stick with them. I think it worked out. Yeah. It, you know, it, it started from, you know, with the podcast. And I think, what did we do first? Did we do Praise Jesus 2 first? Well, that's, I mean, that's a good question because what do we do first, I think, is a question that goes back years. Well, you, we, repost, you, you reposted the original Praise Jesus. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I did that. That actually picked up some traction. I knew when I heard the the West Side Gun record, I immediately heard Praise Jesus too. I've I've low key been wanting to do a, a sequel to Praise Break, uh, which was a project I, I put out some years ago. Um, I've been wanting to do a sequel to that for years, just taking gospel records and and rhyming over them. Um, so when I heard Praise Jesus too, I immediately knew and hit Taylor like, hey, we have to do this. Um, and then I think it was just different about like the response to the record. The responses are. You know, when Taylor and I work together, there's always a, a pretty, a pretty good response. Um, but this one was kind of different. I think, you know, there was there was just like an uprising in, in timing and some of the things that were being said. I think it really resonated with people. It hit different. So, you know, those those talks begin to really turn from casual to, yeah, maybe we should do something. And, you know, we we talked about beats and, you know, we were just kind of throwing ideas out. And I think I, I wrote actually the first verse I wrote was to to life we chose and coming off of the Armand and Doc project where, you know, I was really trying to like it was it was I was like experiencing a writer's block. This one was kind of like immediate because I felt like there was something to say, something that I had to say. And social media wasn't the platform to do it. Um, so. Once I wrote that verse, I was like, okay, we need to get this out now. This is lightning in a bottle. And I kind of like, you know, I, I, I made it known that it was like, this is, this is the time to, to strike because we don't, we don't, we have a small window. And if we would have put it out any later, I don't think it would have resonated or had the impact that it did when it was out. Yeah. There's a lot of energy around um, just black expression, black businesses black art and to be able to try to pull it off and release it on Juneteenth, I thought would have been, you know, that would have maximized the opportunity for both of us because there was, there was really, uh, there was really kind of a, a demand for someone to say something or someone to at least represent the sentiments that were out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and, and even to just, you know, say some other things, I think it was very important to say some other things that weren't necessarily the status quo of black people and of the black voice. Um, you know, you know, we have some questions and, you know, I think one of the things that happened is we kind of created a space. Sometimes, you know, we would just come over and, you know, we'd be quote unquote in the studio for three hours, but two of those hours would just be sent talking and venting and, you know, going through, you know, just how we feel and where we are. And, and I think that came out on the project where it's like, I, I don't have these direct answers. And in a world where, you know, everybody seems to have the answer immediately, it seems kind of taboo to be like, I don't know, or I have questions, or I'm not so sure about that. I wanted to communicate those things. Um, and I thought it was important to do it through a medium that was familiar and safe, uh, which, you know, is is the rapidity raps, which I think, you know, had that snooze button feel to it. And I think it, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have had the impact any other way that it did. Yep. So let's just go right into that the first song, Big Tigger's Basement, which you know, Armand, you said that this was the verse, first verse you wrote for the project. I don't think I've ever heard anybody freestyle over Life We Chose. Why this beat? That's Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you said right, right there, Doc. See, that, that sentiment right there, it's like, there are certain beats that I remember listening to back in high school or, or even before that, maybe early college years. And I'm just like, how did people forget about this one? Mm. You know, like, this is... It, this is this deserves like of course no one wants to remember Nostradamus, you know <laughs> like like it, it's just not something people want to remember or talk right. about but man like when I first got Nostradamus I was so excited when this beat came on I thought I was like this is about to be a great album mm. now of course you know after after that moment I don't think I ever rec- I, I didn't reclaim that feeling again you know like. <laughs> But when that, I remember having my Sony Discman and starting this album, coming right off of I Am. I felt really good about I Am, even though it had some misses and all that different stuff. But I'm like, yes, Nas, is, he's in his bag on Life We Chose. And then it just dropped off, fell off the earth. So for me, it was like, yo, somewhere, somehow, this beat has to get its due, even though the rest of the album was trash, in my opinion. Um, and I thought, like, you know, if I'm going to be a part of giving the beat its due, then, you know, it has to be Armand um, on the other side of that because he he's the one who helps remind me that Nas deserves respect, um, even though I feel like the second half of his career is, uh, yeah, it's pretty controversial. Yeah, I, I think it was, it was actually, a, a, I think it was a jolt for me because, you know, when you think about Nas beats, you immediately go to Illmatic or it was written. Uh, I am, you know, still Matic at, at, at the latest. But, you know, I think the fact that Taylor was like, yo, we got to hit life. We chose. It was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, And and that was and that threw me off. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like being thrown off. I like when I, I say this on the podcast all the time. Like, I hate when producers send me beats that they think I would rap over. And that wasn't that that didn't come off like, okay, Taylor thinks that I should rap on this. Like he's trying to, you know, like sneak in his his hip hop card. You know, this was clearly something that he felt a way about. Um, And I think that in turn, calling it Big Tigger's Basement was a a call back to not only simpler times, but just, 
99, 2000, coming home from from school and Rhapsody the Basement is on and Big Tigger is like, you know, he's low key, our big brother that's watching us, you know, until our parents come home, you know? And I think that was that was something to open the album with with that statement. Like, okay, this is this is familiar, but also it's different. It's gonna jolt. And, you know, I think it just set the stage, you know, for the for the rest of the project for sure. Um, yeah. Like and, that- and and Doc, I mean, it, it should be said real quick. It should yeah. be said practically speaking. We're rapping on other people's feet, so we took the classic mixtape route. Therefore, that would, you know, we couldn't send that to streaming services. I don't think without that fight. Uh, or could you? you? Know, well, uh-huh. you know, people have. Done- <laughs> <laughs> it's been tried. I mean, it's you know, tried. succeeded a couple yeah. times too. Yeah, it depends. How, it depends how aggressive the algorithms are. Um, yeah. So one of the things that ties this project together, you've got intros and outros on, if not all of them, the vast majority of the songs. I think every, does every song have an intro and an outro? Yeah. Yep. So the intro on this pretty self-explanatory, right? Uh, judging by uh, the beat, this sounds like Big Tigger in, in 2004, but right era, right? We all know Big Tigger ties in with the basement, ties in with the title of the song, right? So now this outro, why this Kanye clip? And who and actually, so that's kind of a question, but the first question really is who chose the clips and, and how purposeful was that? And then we can talk specifically about this clip. I definitely, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, you know, you know, I was going to sequence this project. You yeah. knew I was. Um, and so the clips were different forms of black expression. You know, I think that it was important to have different voices. It was important to have hip hop voices. It was important to have, uh, you know, Christian voices. It was important to have funny voices. Um, because I think that's the black experience. It's just just very vast and well-rounded for as, as much trauma as we've experienced generationally. We still find a way to laugh, to express ourselves, to be creative. And I think that was important to tie all this together. Um, I think the Kanye clip was important because that that is a sentiment. And it's not something that I I ran by Taylor. I just kind of like I think he heard it when he heard the finished product. Like, I don't think I ran the clips by we, we talked about some of the clips and some of them, you know, all of them were not me. Some of them Taylor submitted. Um, but it was, you know, it was me feeling like, you know, yo, this, I I feel like I'm required to, to think a certain way. And I'm like, I want to push back on that. And I think Kanye encompassed it, you know, just incredibly well. And I think that it was important for Kanye to say that considering where he is right now and how people view him. Um, you know, I think I think the timing was perfect. And also, you know, just the fact that we wrapped on Follow God immediately following it. Yeah. I, I, and I like that was probably my favorite interview because Kanye was the one with Big Boy. Hmm. And, you know, I, I didn't I didn't know how people were going to, you know, take that. You know, like like Armand said, he um, <laughs> he definitely didn't show me that beforehand. It was just on the finished product product. And and I'll be honest, like the first time I heard it, the first thing I felt was tension because I start thinking of like how other people are going to hear these things. That big boy interview, I spent like hours talking with several of my friends about what was what was discussed in that interview, kind of the range of the interview. And I thought it was one of the most I think Armand said this when we talked about it originally a while ago that it was one of the most important interviews that he did because of how people look at big boy, you know, it's big boys talking to big boys different than talking to Charlotte, 
and Zane Lowe, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like he got on a hip hop platform to talk to a specific artist, and you know, Big Boy took him to task on some some things that were either misconceptions, misunderstandings, or just straight out beefs. And that was probably one of the parts of the interview that got the most tense, where you know, you can hear. You hear when Kanye's voice changes, he's like, when he yeah. starts talking about I'm supposed to drive convertibles in Calabasas, it's like, okay, he might be, he's either going to go to another level or come back down. And that being the clip, it was like, okay, this is where we're going. Yeah. And and I'm just like, yo, I'm not trying to take away none of that tension. Let's go. It, I, and it's also important to couple that by naming the song Kanye was right. Like I want, I wanted to, I wanted to live in that. I wanted it to be tense because we're in a tense time, and I wanted a different kind of tension that exists beyond just like black and white or right and wrong, or you know, there's a more nuanced tension that people aren't addressing because the general tension is so overwhelming that 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 kind of gets into the weeds of the questions and how people feel and where people stand and you know the gray areas of where we are that I feel like are not addressed enough. So I wanted to make these really grandiose statements, but then allow the music and allow what Taylor and I are actually rapping about to unpack them. You know, Kanye was right with a clip, you know, get your attention. But then, you know, once you hear us out, you know, I, I, I don't I don't need you to agree with me, but I, I do need you to understand, like, where we are and how we feel about that. You know, and in some cases, Taylor and I are on different opposite sides of the spectrum and people needed to see that unity as well, like. You know, like all that's important, all that that is, all that exists, like because you're my friend, I don't have to agree with everything. And I don't have to be mad that you're, you know, you're you're on the opposite side of, side of the fence in some regards. Like, I think all of that was important to communicate. You mean y'all weren't, weren't trying to cancel each other at the same time simultaneously? <laughs> it's, it's too much work. <laughs> it's too much. I'm tired. Dog. I got I got three kids and a wife. I'm tired. Like <laughs> It's too much work. dog. It's yeah. interesting to hear you describe. Yeah, like, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say it's interesting to hear y'all sort of describe the the role of the clips and even like the the song title, kind of was right as being somewhat pro- provocative, right? Because here I am, the white liberal. I'll be the token white liberal. Let me let me stand up and raise my hand because that's what we do, right? Um, token white liberal, and I was like, <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm like, man, he's painting white liberals with a really really broad, broad, broad brush here. But I think what's interesting about Kanye is that, and I think this is what's I think kind of borne out throughout this album in general is that like, you know, in our mind, you, I think you alluded to it just a little bit ago is this idea that, you know, there, there's not a, a monolith of, of like what makes someone like black or what black opinion is. There's a diversity, mm-hmm. there's a range. Individual people can be, are not just black people, all people are always wildly contradictory, right? Like you might have mm-hmm. this kind of belief in this way and this kind of belief in that way. Like, and you know, uh, I think we could, there's a whole side conversation about celebrity and the standards that we hold celebrities to rightfully or wrongfully. And like at his core, Kanye is a person who can have contradictory opinions, who might be left wing in one way and right, right wing in another way. And also he's a narcissist in another way. Right. And so, um, Mm. but he is a person, you know, and Armand, I think I believe I know on this show, you have sort of, uh, I don't say railed against, because maybe that's the wrong term, but you have, not been a fan of how broadly it gets painted as like, oh, well, black people do this and black people do that in culture. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I felt the two of you in different ways unpacking why that's not not even really close to being true uh, all over mm-hmm. this project. Absolutely. 
That was important to do. It 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 had it had to be done. There's there's a remnant of you know of of black people and like you said people in general like you know like I think people feel like they have to just side a certain way um, because you know they ascribe to a certain you know I'm a Christian so that means you know I think this way I act this way you know these are my social groups this is what I do this is what I don't do this is what I love this is what I hate like there's an assumption in that and you can replace Christian with any group or any group that you would you know. So one could identify themselves as. Um, but I wanted to be like, nah, like we're, you know, we're also, we're human and, you know, human, we can say humans are flawed. Yes. But also humans are complicated and humans, you know, there's critical thinking and there's, there's a bunch of other stuff that comes into play with that. And I think we would do ourselves a favor by exploring those things and being, you know, and giving other people the space to do that as well. Um, you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean that because you agree with one thing about one person who, you know, generally you, you know, you rail against. It doesn't mean that everything that they say is necessarily going to be wrong. or You're just going to disagree with it. You know, it's just a lot to unpack, man. There's so much going on right now. And it's just necessary to to like Taylor always said Taylor always says this, like you got to live in the tension. And I've been clinging on to that as someone who doesn't really like conflict like that, like to see him nosedive into like really tense conversations and moments and in, in relationships. It's like, no, there is fruit in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's really stressful too sometimes, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, so, I mean, this is, this is what music does. It's like it kind of condenses and makes the conversation more concise in some ways. Because like this, this song is, or this, moment is full of tension but it's only like a minute and 50 seconds you know and and thank god because if it would have went on for four minutes you know people may have checked out and said okay i don't need this much i don't need this much life just thrown at me right now like i'm trying to figure out how i feel and what i think and what to do and um you can't just say I like tension and then you need to like it too at the clip that I like it. But we got to at least give it a moment. And I, I, I wanted to go back to the, um, the white liberal thing, doc, because I have white liberal friends and I have conservative friends. So, you know, I, I pastored in a church full of, they were the quintessential white evangelicals that voted for Trump. Mm. Like I learned, I served in leadership there and I served in leadership in the liberal like expression of church where, you know, they're literally like parsing through their stances on the other side of the political spectrum. And like in both of those environments, I attempted to challenge my friends. And I felt like what Kanye said, it was hard hearing at the time he said that it was probably really hard hearing that as a white liberal coming from Kanye, especially from his fans. But, you know, what a lot of times people miss in terms of like these broad strokes perspectives that people say is like Kanye is not the author of that. Like the first time I heard people talking about white liberals in math was from Malcolm X. Like Malcolm X used to do that all the time. He used to be a harsh critic, a stern critic of, of the white liberal, um, the white liberal and their political involvement in this country. And, and ultimately what he viewed as complicity with the structural racism that existed. 
So when I heard Kanye, I heard kind of like a jumbled, incomplete version of that. But it wasn't new for me, so it didn't like make me emotional. Yeah. And to know a black person felt that way was just like, oh yeah, I know how that feels. But we have to find our allies somewhere, and there's tension in that. Mm. So Taylor, on Kanye was right. You lead off. You just get right right into it, and you you start talking about all lives matter versus Black Lives Matter. So it was interesting to hear you talk about how you, you know, you have you've been in churches where you have folks on you know, one side of the aisle versus another, because, and this is me living, you know, here in, you know, East Coast liberal, you know, Connecticut, right? Like a very, a very like sheltered bubble of sorts. Because I would have thought to myself, the people who were going to listen to an Armand and Taylor project, how many All Lives Matter people are there really there? But did you feel like you, like, like you wanted to say that specifically for, for a certain audience? Or was it just, this is on my mind right now, like, where were you going? Yeah. For me, yeah, I wanted to come right out and, and address that narrative um, because, you know, for for <laughs> for as many, I guess, friends that I have in the more conservative space, um, I, I know that there are certain things that they don't really want to talk about with me. And, and because we don't talk about it, almost like you maintain this silent agreement about things and that was my attempt to, to just let people know where I stand like listen all lives matter is literally black lives matter black lives matter from an from an all white perspective like you, you're, you think you're doing us a favor and cleaning it up and saying well all lives matter of course I agree with you and I, and I want you to know I'm saying something different and when you hijack the conversation with all lives matter, my conservative friend, you're actually taking away the voice that I'm trying to communicate. And, you know, there's, there's ad nauseum people have had this conversation about where, well, why can't you just agree that everybody matters? And, and then there's the people who say, well, there's a particularity about suffering and how people are going through things. And that's why this statement means something. And then there's the smoke screen or straw man argument of, well, what about Black Lives Matter as an organization versus the statement and all of this ridiculousness? And for me, that's where rap gets refreshing because I'm like, let's just get this out of the way in four bars. Let's just do this in four bars. And that's it. And so from that point, it's, it's maybe a conversation can emerge from that or maybe you can just look at me differently and know where I stand. Either one is okay with me. But this is where raps for me become like a safe place. Armand, one of the things you talk about in your verses, it's funny that Taylor just said what he said, right? Because one of the things you mm. talk about is how, like knowing how a movement is funded, which mm-hmm. feels very ripped from the headlines. <laughs> like these are like law and order raps, right? Where like you watch law and order and like, oh, that was in the newspaper like three months ago. Like these are law and order raps right now um, in a good way. Um <laughs> Uh, so obviously that's on your mind right now. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think you can do the right thing for the wrong reason. And I think those things are important. You know, I think that, I think that, you know, just taking the statement and saying, and I said this, I said this, you know, not really publicly, but if, if you take the statement and you say, oh, well, you know, the sentiment is correct because, 
you know, even though the organization, you know, is, is iffy. Um, it's like, that's just great branding, you know? And like, even if you're not supporting them, like you're still supporting them by like every time you say that, every time you create an initiative that goes along with that. And, you know, some of the things that are on their mission statement, I'm just not a big fan of. And I think I think that's important to to address, to put out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, ultimately, people are going to do what they want. to. I think what it comes down to is when you have your stance, you also have to recognize that people are going to do what they want to do ultimately. And you can't get upset if, you know, somebody hears you out or doesn't want to hear you out because they stand on the opposite side of that. Um, so, you know, if I feel a way and if people don't feel a way that I, you know, that that contradicts how I feel or opposes how I feel like, yo, that's cool. I think ultimately it it starts to get when it starts getting like snarky and you start getting like real passive aggressive. And, you know, we talk about these microaggressions like that word has come up um, a lot lately. You know, that's when I, I, I kind of get a little peeved or whatever. But. You know, I, I think I think it's important to address. I think it's important for people to do research. I think it's important for people to really know like the ins and outs of what all this stuff is, because ultimately when it when it comes down to it, like that's going to matter. If it doesn't matter now, it will matter later on, um, you know, because my question has always been, well, you know, when we say black, like we kind of have to get into the woods now who which black, you know, which which demographic of black is being represented you know, when it comes time to make these changes, you know, I think those are those are questions that need to be addressed and need to be clearly communicated because I could just assume, well, he's going to represent me because I'm black and he could have a completely different set of, of morals and views and, and goals and, you know, that completely alienate me from the solution. And, you know, I think it's important for people to to just make sure that they know where they stand and, and why they stand there. It's just the why is always important, you know, always. That's really interesting, right? Um, not to go too deep in the political weeds. And honestly, this, this episode is really must about me. It's more about y'all, right? But um, I think some of this, I wonder, I shouldn't say I think, I wonder how much of this is left over from how democratic big city politics worked for a huge chunk of last century, of the, of the you know, of the, of the 20th century, which is to say, you know, like in a big city like Chicago or Boston, you'd have different neighborhoods that were specifically like segregated to be like, this is the Irish neighborhood and there's going to be Irish people elected from that neighborhood and they represent it. And when it comes time to have patronage jobs and give back, like they are going to know where their bread's buttered and they're going to vote Democrat, you know, accordingly up and down the line. And I feel like I wonder if some of these older Democratic politicians who not to say the younger ones don't do this as well, but I wonder how much of this comes out of like they were they were like brought into politics by people who ran sort of like stereotypical big city like political organizations where it's like, OK, that's the black rep. Give them this. That's the Irish rep. Give them this. That's the Italian rep. Give them this. Meanwhile, we have a, young, a much younger generation, not even just millennials, Generation X coming up, living in a much more multicultural world that is not in that way. Right. Where I. Like, I feel like outside of certain areas, like I feel like either you're living in something that's relatively multicultural or it's white neighborhoods that are arguably even more segregated than they were 40 years ago. So like those are just two like very different like ways of thinking about and like living through the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I do. And 
I mean, in all of that, Doc, I'll say from my perspective, like, you know, because those dynamics are at play, like, this is why nuance is more important than ever mm. because we have to figure out a way to visit each other's world yeah. and understand how to, to really, like, be a society together. You know, like, the polarization is just not a way to live. And so let's try to at least understand why these dynamics are what they are and then figure out a way to just to be with one another, to be there for one another in some kind of way. Um, otherwise, we're just we're just going to kind of camp out in our echo chambers and, and assume the worst. And um, I don't think I don't think the next generation, like the next generation is a whole nother conversation because they're just like on a different extreme level of just angst and, mm. and just hyper reactivity and, and you know they're they're growing up in the social media age like they're watching these videos these graphic videos of kids they're watching these politicians as young people we have no idea what kind of adults they're going to be but i'll tell you what they're not going to be necessarily arguing over the same things that we argue over right. ideologically yeah. i think they'll be further along and i think it's up to us to prepare them to do better than us black effect was one of the, I guess, call them singles, for lack of a better term, right? One of the singles from the project, one of the songs that, that y'all put out before the project came out, had the lyric video. Um, it's, first of all, I'm just like, from a fan's perspective, it's, I hope y'all know that like, super dope. Both of y'all did a, like a really good job on it. It's a really good, like to me, one of the hard things about when, uh, when rappers do a project like this, where they're rapping over other beats, is people, you know, you always gotta, you kind of compare to the original and, and X, Y, and Z. I mean, Armand will tell you, like, I wasn't, like, super, like, over the, over the, like, I wasn't super in love with the original Jay and Beyonce song. Like, I thought it was fine. But I thought that, like, really in a very yeah. well way, like, for me, y'all made this your own. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I feel like when I Thanks, played, man. I feel like when I played the song for people, you know, that they, it, it got a reaction, you know. Um, and so I want to start, like, the Chappelle sample at the beginning. Um very you know um it's it's a it's it's a, a train of thought that is kind of represented on this album in general but it's this, this notion of like why do we care why do we care about what what this particular celebrity thinks um armand i know you have talked about that on the show before for mm -hmm. sure we've talked about it but taylor i'm curious from your perspective um i mean honestly just like open-ended like how do you feel about that whole like this whole notion that like every time something happens we'll run into a celebrity or we're holding a celebrity to a certain example like do you find that that impacts like you or does that impact the culture or where do you stand on that first of all the timing was crazy to be able to use that clip like <laughs> right just i mean like dave Chappelle just comes out and just does like a 20 something minute set like in dayton somewhere in a field and here we have like just that moment to, to draw from and, and to connect with what we're writing. But yeah, I mean, I 1000% agree with Dave Chappelle on that. And a part of me was just enjoying the fact that he checked Don Lemon. Like I just enjoyed that. Part. <laughs> <laughs> like, because Don Lemon sometimes takes a tone that is, is a little presumptuous for me. Like you just presume to speak for everybody um, as if this is what needs to be done. And I don't need that, you know, like yeah. I need the other voice to come back and, and say, no, we don't need that. And he conceded 
to that. Don Lemon eventually conceded to that to say, like, yeah, actually, he's right. I see what he, I see what he's saying. And that's what I feel like is missing from our society is just that civility to say, oh, you know what? You're right. That's a good point. Let me back away. We don't need celebrities to steer the shit for us. Like, why did we ever buy into that? You know, like, at what point did they earn the right to steer the ship? And that, for me personally, has been my whole way of engaging the Kanye thing. I'm like, I don't need him to shape my political opinion. Like, I don't even know if his political opinion is even fully shaped. I think he's even said that. Like, I don't even vote or do anything. It's just that the way our culture is designed, celebrities, some kind of way, they operate with this power and this uh, maybe preset responsibility to wield it well. Even if we look at these people and say, they're not very responsible people, you know, like they do, they do things that don't generally seem like it's very responsible or even like we should make a hero out of them. And yet, like, when they speak, we're supposed to, like, tune in and say, yeah, this is the tide of society. It's like, how? How did how did that become our dynamic? So for me, I'm just like, nah, I'm not looking at some celebrity as just, like, by default. They they get the right to, to control or, or steer my decisions. Like, you got to earn that. Mm-hmm. And I was so glad when Dave Chappelle said that. It was, it just captured how, how I feel personally. Yeah. Armand, one of the things you talked about in your, in your verses, white, white acceptance. Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking about how, what the inverse of that, which is how, what some white people want most of all is black acceptance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They want their one black friend to tell them that Mm -hmm. they're okay. They're not Mm -hmm. one of the racist ones. Mm -hmm. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about white acceptance? <laughs> you know, I, I I don't I don't. It's weird because my my view of that has shaped over the years because I've always been, you know, the I've always said it like I've I've been the the sole minority in so many spaces, just being, you know, a military brat and living a, a having a middle class upbringing. You know, the older I got, the less I saw people who looked like me in my schools and in my social circles. Mm. So for a while, I didn't really understand it until I got much older, maybe like military or something where, you know, people, you know, you would see the you'd see the the one white guy in the crew and he would have like the taper fade and he would like black girls and he would dress like us and, you know, it would be, oh, he's allowed to, you know, he's allowed to say it. He can say the N-word, you know, and that was like the ultimate badge of honor. Um, you know, on the flip side, w- once all this started to pop, like a lot of my white friends like started calling me and reaching out to me to do what you just said. And I didn't feel, and, and this is something that Taylor said too, that I, I, I didn't, I would see that and I would kind of just get tired because I'm already dealing with like, how I'm trying to process it. Now you want me to help you process where you are. And it's like, that's not necessarily my responsibility to, to, to help you not completely help you navigate. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you have questions, then sure. Like to a certain point, depending on our relationship, but like my goal is my, my job is not to just be like black guy one-on-one. This is how, you know, you, you go about explaining or, you know, navigating this time. Like I just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have it. I didn't have that. Um, so you're not their tour guide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Tour guide. You know, I didn't have it. So, you know, it's, it's just, 
it's it's just been really interesting to see. I, I readdress it later on another song, but and that's a little more pronounced. Um, you know, but it it's just not it's not it's not necessary. I think just acceptance, period. We talk about acceptance in general, you know what I'm saying? Like just acceptance from other demographics, because I really talked about, you know, uh corporations and you know how they try to monetize. And I said it on on Kanye was right, the revolution will be monetized. Like you are seeing all of these companies like trying to figure out a way to, you know, curate this black box with white font and, you know, you know, make this statement of solidarity. And, you know, I, I think you kind of you begin to see right through that where it's not about that. It's about you don't want to lose the dollar. You don't want to lose the black dollar. You don't want to lose all the things that come with that acceptance. Once we accept you, you're in. You're you're. In. This is the, the the mindset. Like you're in. You have value. You have clout, as the youth say, and that comes with you know a lot. There's a lot of benefit to that. So ultimately, it's like like just don't chase that. And for some people, their motivations were not to chase that. It was almost it was also also in like a, a very haughty way. Like, look at what I'm I don't need that acceptance, but look at how I can pull my use my white privilege to, you know, pull these resources together and and do these things that benefit black lives. Like, that's just as bad. Like, I don't need that either. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's a it's a thin line, but I think it's pretty clear, you know, how to go about navigating that and why that's just not cool. Man, y- y'all were. I mean, never mind, like, why are we looking to celebrities for leadership or guidance? Why are we looking to corporations? Exactly. Like, they, <laughs> I don't need you to do anything but put, I don't need Kith to, to do anything but make t-shirts. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't need the statement of solidarity. You know what I'm saying? I just, I don't need it. It doesn't make me feel better. It doesn't make me feel worse. Like, it makes me feel worse if you're going out of your way to like pander. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it feels like. It, that's but Armand, see that's but that's it. Like that's why we used that scene for the lyric video because it was keep that. Wow. Like, yes. Who asked those people to put on kinky cloth and kneel down for eight minutes? Like who was that for? Was that for George Floyd's family? Was that for black people? Like what? I I I literally like they that became a joke. Like these are these are leaders in our country. Like. <laughs> trying to offer some sort of gesture that means what? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it's hilarious to see something like that. Like, what what are you doing? And and ultimately, the question goes back to one of the lyrics that Armand had. It's like, look, man, let's let's have some policy changes. We need that more than we need you in Kenzie Claw. That's what we need. Yeah. And and it, I, and that goes across the board now. And I just say this because we on the show like I don't need I don't need statues torn down. Like I don't I don't need any of this. I don't need you. I don't need um, realtors to stop referring to referring to it as the master bedroom. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, no, I no. Like we need real systemic change that my babies can benefit off of. If I don't, if I don't ever see the benefit off of it, or I don't see the fruit of this until I'm, I'm much older and my kids can live in that, my grandkids can live in that. I'm cool. Like it might take a while, but also, yeah, dog, don't like, don't piss on me and tell me it's raining. Like I'm not stupid. I think it's because yeah. like in a very real sense, like our government is kind of broken and like, doesn't know how to find common ground because we're, it's like one side or another. Like there's no, 
compromise doesn't exist and there's lots of anymore and there's there are some good reasons i think for and there's some bad reasons as well but when you when your government can't actually function really well to like make things happen that should happen all you're left with is symbolism yeah yeah that's true mm-hmm. that's yeah. true so black effect closes with a uh with an with a clip from uh from dr umar johnson which is a another pointed <laughs> choice <laughs> <laughs> what we, we got to yes. laugh at some point. It was heavy starting out. We got to yes. laugh. That's what the, and I, and I've realized, and I don't know Taylor if anybody's hit you about this, but people thought that we were like like serious, like all like all of this was serious, and we stand behind Umar Johnson, and we are faithful disciples of Umar Johnson. Like no, that was for the jokes. There, like we have three back to back really really heavy uh, uh, tracks and. That's something that Taylor and I, you know, we just passed clips of him just over text message. And it, and it's a well needed break from all of the madness going on. Like, let's just let's just listen to this narcissistic, just this dude just in his own world, like just spewing hilariousness. Like, that's just that's just funny. It's just like that. Again, like I said earlier, like it's the it's the the dynamic of the black experience. Like we can deal with all this heavy stuff that's in Kanye was right in black effect and, and, and big tickets basement. But also like, here's a good time to like, just sneak a joke in. Let's just laugh real quick. Just for a second, take the tension out the room and let's get back to business. Seabear mm-hmm. and yep. Jamal. I love. It. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I said, I, I just said, I love that. I love that. That was, it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> How many people do you think understand that it's a joke? That's a good question because I, I again, I felt the tension because you know the moment is so serious. So it's like even if it is a joke, like some people may not even feel the liberty to laugh. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like, am I supposed to laugh at this? And and I think it's a very sharp turn at the end of the clip where Umar Johnson says, "Stop laughing," and to me. That's like the permission. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, this either this girl or whoever they're laughing at him for for making these ridiculous acronyms out of grade. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and I'm laughing as a black person because clearly A doesn't stand for African. Are <laughs> black. <laughs> like these are Caucasians and these are de- like really, bro. Like. Like and and I can and for me I feel like he was freestyling he was doing that in that moment he <laughs> absolutely that absolutely so that that's just that is like cartoon cartoonish but again people to your question I don't know if people know if it's okay to laugh at that or many other things I don't know if people know if it's, they they feel like they can laugh at anything and I'm gonna laugh yeah we need that. You you don't think he came into the studio with those bars? You think he <laughs> he, he, kind of, he kind of he got a, he was feeling himself and he's like, let's do this. Take off the blazer, loosen up the tie. <laughs> <laughs> that that's his brilliance. He does that all all the time. Like he is not scripted and is almost so ridiculous. That's what keeps him. I guess that's what keeps his audience to some degree. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Umar Umar is a treasure. He's a national treasure to me. Yeah, dog. Just pure hilarity. <laughs> so when I heard C. Baron Jamal, I knew Armand was secretly a, a Freddie Gibbs and Madlib fan. I knew finally 
I had gotten him to come around. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think our, I actually, I specifically remember I told Armand that an instrumental version of this album existed and he was like, oh, really? You know, I could see he was taking notes off on the side. 100%. This is in my mind. I said, oh, yeah, I'm I'm rapping. I'm rapping to this. As soon as you said that, it's the first thing I said. Say no more. I've heard no other beat on that on that instrumental project but Paul Marlowe. Like, I know exactly where I'm going. Taylor, I want to give you credit yeah. for for having a bar that is about kind of having 2020 vision, but you don't say the phrase 2020 vision, even though it was right there. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. we might have we might have had to poke yeah. a little fun if you actually said 2020 vision, but you you got there. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Um, this <laughs> I, no, Doc. That was like it has to be like that's part of the funny for me. It's like on the nose. Let me just be on the nose here, and and that's how it ends. That was that was like my little attempt of, of sarcasm and snark. Like twenty twenty is clear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the most recent lyric video. Why this song is the lyric video? What what for y'all, what spoke to you and said, Yeah, this is what I want people to see? Uh I think for me there's a there's a little more tension in my verse that I wanted people to to explore. Okay. Um particularly towards the end, you know, just where I talked about, you know, I don't believe that, you know, all these videos are police and I don't believe, you know, that these videos are real time. And like, I don't believe, like, I don't believe that just because something is viral that, that it's actually like, I, you know, still feel like there's some other stuff at play. So I think those are other statements to make, to address without, you know, coming. It's weird. It's like, you make those types of statements on the internet and people will immediately cast you as your 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 tinfoil hat. But if you put a beat over it, it's a little easier to digest. You know what I'm saying? Like I I think that was for me that was important to to say. I think some of the other songs were a little heavier and didn't translate as well with the lyric video. I think the Sea Bear and Jamal, like the cartoon, I think that also adds a a, a bit of lightheartedness into the presentation and kind of gives people a chance to breathe because then you can pull on that nostalgia. Um, oh yeah. I remember that cartoon. I think that was, I think that was perfect. There are little cues like throughout the project to just that tell people to breathe. Um, and I think that that was what this statement, that's what the statement was. One of the many statements on this, the, this song in particular was. Yep. And plus people forgot about that cartoon. They did. They did. It was only around for like half a season. But like Fox Kids, low key, like people talk, people talk about like, you know, Nickelodeon, like SNCC and stuff like that. We got to talk about Fox Kids on Saturday mornings. Like, like they had a lineup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know and X, X-Men and yeah, like they, they used to Bobby's World. Like they used to go. I think those X-Men cartoons are on Disney Plus now. <laughs> they are. I not watch, that I'm, not that I'm ever going to sit down and watch them, but... <laughs> I did. Sorry, Doc. No, that's great. That's great. Cause like when when I got Disney Plus, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Tailspin. And then I I, I was like, oh yeah, I love this theme song. And then I got to the first episode, I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yes. That's that's what I did the first day I got. I literally watched all the theme songs. It was like, I'm not watching, I'm not binging Darkwing Duck. <laughs> you didn't put on gargoyles yeah, and you were like Look, I heard y'all talk about this last episode and, and I was kind of like, you know, I was, I was grimacing a little bit because I totally was watching those cartoons. Like, I'm like, damn, I guess I'm, I'm not the adult in the room because I definitely get, I cracked <laughs> open gargoyles. 
No, I had never seen gargoyles as a kid somehow. And my wife was a big fan of it. So she was, you know, whenever you're a fan of something and your significant other doesn't really know and you're trying to get them into it, which is normally what I do with her with music. Now the shoe is on the other foot. She's trying to like be all excited about gargoyles. And I'm sitting here watching this as a 37 year old man. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) What's going on here? Yeah. 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 Even as a even as a, a fan or quasi fan or whatever, I was let down too. So I get it. I'm with you. It doesn't hit, it hits different when you're 36, 37. Oh man, so many things from when when we were kids, like or even teenagers, right? Like you watch now and you're like, oh, oh no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, I'm trying to think. Is there anything any other questions I had about Seabear and Jamal? Um, I actually, I mean, we haven't really talked, we've, we talked a little bit about like overall reaction, I guess, but like, as you put out the, as you put out the lyric videos, did you like, were you able to sort of notably see like, oh yeah, people are like really, really responding to them or were, is it something where you're kind of like, yeah, this is going to have a nice sort of like long tail effect, like where people will be able to like find it on my timeline, like, and people can share it around or whatever. Like how successful have they been? Generally, they've been great. Um, you know, that's something that I, I brought to the table because I've been doing these lyric videos for, for most of this year and some yeah. of last year. Um, <clears throat> but just sort of like unpacking that and seeing what it looks like. They've been largely successful. And I, I think Praise Jesus and uh, 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 what's the other one? Kanye was right was a good one. Uh, oh, Black Effect, like Black Effect and Praise Jesus like went so crazy just in terms of response and reaction. Um unlike I've seen like with anything that I've posted. So um, I, I I knew then that it's, you know, especially now, one of the things that this pandemic and, you know, this time has produced has just been like the importance of the visual. Um, and you don't always have to necessarily be in there visually in order to communicate something, you know, so just finding that balance, however that works for you, um, you know, to get that off um, has been supremely beneficial just to build up, you know, all this stuff. So generally it's been great. You know what I'm saying? Like lots of, lots of talk in my DMs, lots of questions, lots of, you know, praise and all that good stuff. Like it's, it's been really, it's been really cool. It's been really cool to see. Well, for me, it's it, like people were concerned about me after Black Effect came out, you know, because I'm a guy <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> it's like, are you okay? Like, uh, you know, there was a lot of tiptoeing around because, you know, I got a little bit of anger off in that mug, but I think the visual aspect of it just, it just changes the way you engage with the music, you know? And I don't know if Armand already, like, he received his flowers or, or basically said, nah, you're going to give me my, you're going to give me my acknowledgement. But, you know, he was kind of ahead of the curve from what I saw with the way these lyric videos were being presented. And to me, like the new Kanye video was just, was like very much associated with this kind of visual presentation because we're doing the social distancing thing and, and, you know, the kind of the dynamic that we're involved in doesn't really allow for a ton of like in-person interaction with art. So it was just a really good time to do lyric videos this way too. And I think just the notion of people being able to see the lyrics and the fact that this is not going to be on Genius or anything like that, right. that that helps that helps with commentary and um, and conversation around like the stuff we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, it's not going to be on Genius. I just want to reiterate that. <laughs>
It's just not. Again, another there's a reason why we're doing this on clock radio speakers. Like create the platform and 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 keep it there. Like that I've been preaching that for the last year and I've I've been going out of my way to go super hard for that. So praise Jesus too. We we've already talked about kind of a little bit. Um what was this how early on in the process was this created? Before we agreed to, yeah, before we agreed to actually do a project, this was just, hey, you know, I, I, fa- I found, you know, like we have, we have Griselda conversations and, you know, so I was, I shot, you know, I shot him the beat like, hey, look what I got my hands on. Let's do something. And, you know, Taylor, Taylor works really quick. So Taylor shot it back really quick. Um, I do not work quick. So it took me a while, but, um, yeah, this was this was first. This was first, but this was kind of like the light bulb to to make to make me say, like, okay, it, it might be time to, you know, pursue this this casual idea. Mm. I, on a technical level, Armand, on this project, I feel like, and tell me if I'm maybe off on the wrong track here, but I feel like you're playing around a bit with, I guess, like call it like empty gaps in your flow, right? Like sort of yes. pausing. You're doing yep. it here. You're doing it on, on Kanye was right. Is that? Purposeful? Is that just a technique you're playing with right now? You want to you want to get nerdy and talk about that real quick? Shout out to Jonathan Baker. I've been saying this for the last few years. Like he's been teaching me how to say more with less. Um, I, I've always, if you go back and listen to like just some of my early raps and music and my presentation, I've always felt the need to explain myself, and you know, also like speaking gray area, speaking code. You kind of call it like a like a nod to Jay Z, and it's like no, I actually just didn't want to say what I was say what I meant. I didn't say it with my chest, you know what I'm saying? And you know, especially with praise Jesus too. Some of the statements that I made, I mean, like you know, how I get married when I'm beefing with his bride, like just some of the issues that I that I have that I'm coming out of, dealing with. Like I needed that tension to exist and just sit. I wanted people to be like, wow, or you know, I wanted that to hit. And so you leave the you leave the silence in there for it to hit because you think about the rapidity rapidity rap 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 rap. It's like somebody, it's a professor talking your ear off, and they're not giving you a chance to write all the notes down. You know, so I, I wanted to just say it and shut up, and then get back to the next thought. You know, I'm a fan of no wasted bars. So I wanted every line to mean something. And yeah, I, I, I'm going to be doing that a lot going forward. I was doing that on Armand and Doc. I've been doing that for quite a bit. Um, just saying it and stepping back and shutting up and, you know, letting people feel it and then getting back to whatever I was going to say after that. Because you need to give people that space to to hear you for real. Okay. I'm trying to be mindful of time here. So we've got two more records I want to talk. We need to talk about, obviously. There were, and we could talk about a bit about the bonus tracks if we have time. But um, Afros and Bell Bottoms. So... Wait, what beat is this? Dimitri, mm. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Dimitri off of the uh, Action Bronson and um, Alchemist mm. project, and I mean that was a that snuck in. Um, that snuck in. I don't know who caught it, who didn't, oh, but yeah, I mean it was dope. Like just when it first came out, I was like, yo, this like this has some stuff or some heat on it. And I and I actually like Action Bronson at certain times, even though, man, ghost the ghost face parallel is, <laughs> man, it's crazy sometimes, man. I I really try to give him his individual credit, but it's hard, man. Um, but that that beat was crazy. I thought it was crazy, 
And this is one of those tracks, like I told our mom while we were creating this, you can hear throughout the whole project, he had, he had a lot of things to say. Like, I need to say this. This is in my mind and my heart. I got to say it. And then there were certain points where I was with him, like, yeah, man, let's say it. Let's do it. Let's give it to him. And then there's other points where I just check out, like, man, I'm just trying to rap. You know, <laughs> let me just put some, <laughs> let me just put some words together and have fun with the art. Like, and be, I'll just be a decoration to like whatever our mom wants to say. And this was like the quintessential representation of that, this song. Cause he, he recorded a version he didn't put on there, but the first, the first time I heard you spit the verse that you spit, you was, you had a whole different tone. And I'm like, yo, this is yours. Like, I don't even know if I need to be on this, but we made it work. It, it just, it, he had something to say. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to do some rapidity raps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When when Armand said that it, that he's got exes asking if his marriage is for real, I I was just like, oh <laughs> no! <Right>. <laughs> Immediately after my wife telling me to take care of myself, yeah, yeah. There's I mean, there's different types of tension going on, like in this pandemic, and one of those is is the tension of of marriages and relationships, and you know, like I wanted to I wanted to be able to communicate that. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the people are finding out a lot about their about their significant other, um, and some houses are really ugly. And you know, I wanted to, I wanted to communicate that. I felt like that was important to say. Man, I, I think back yeah. sometimes. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. It, I'm just laughing because yes, like I, I told Armand, like, listen, you got married like right before a pandemic. You know, like yeah. you got to like contextualize that you know and you can feel all the feels that come with it for sure i I think back sometimes like what would have happened if you know if if this if this pandemic would have would have occurred when i was like a kid in my house like what would Mm -hmm. (laughs) how bad would that have been right like oh no wouldn't have been wouldn't have been good you know i i you know it's I feel really blessed. Like, um, you know, my wife and I have, have done really well. We get along really well. And it's, you know, it's been stressful, but stressful for the reasons that it's, it's like stressful for everybody, not anything in particular, but like, it's not what my house was like growing up, you know? And I know there, yeah. and it's just, there are people going through all sorts of crazy situations for sure. Yep. Absolutely. What, what would have been like the worst, age, like growing up, what would have been like the worst age for this to happen? At? I was trying to think about this. Like, is it high school? Hmm. Yeah, just just considering where our minds. I I've been talking to a lot of um, high schoolers and, and parents of high schoolers, and just think about our minds. We didn't know anything about life, so the things that we focused on and cared about deeply were like the most trivial things, but they were everything to us. So all of that's being taken away. Like there's like this build up, this promise, like yo, when you get to this age, you get to experience this and. And there's movies that tell you that. And there's like these media experiences that build entertainment around that. And you have all these memories you'll keep with you for the rest of your life. And now it's gone. And you're immature. And your brain is still developing. You don't even know what real life is. So I don't know. I don't mean, man, my high school years were rough. So I I think for me, that would be, that would be my vote. so I have kids, I have kids all across the board, like in my house and, and, and relatives. So I have, 
you know, my, my, one of my little brothers, uh, now through marriage, I just found out this weekend that he graduated high school, you know, this year. So, you know, him, you know, not getting to really experience a prom and all that stuff. Like, yeah, absolutely. My daughter's, uh, uh, about to be a sophomore in high school. So she's kind of where you just described, you know, just not being able to experience certain things and, you know, what she values is very trivial in hindsight. But, you know, my my new daughter is six. And so she's very much a people person. So for her to experience like school and kindergarten and be like, oh my God, people. <laughs> and for that to be taken away, she far and away had the worst uh, transition to this. Like she, she's gone through it. Um, she's just like, I, I just want to go outside and play. She would cry some days. I miss my friends. Like it, it, it like that, you know, I get to experience this school environment and, you know, when we're kindergarten, first grade. We think school is great. Like, I think we don't start hating school until maybe junior high, but you know, she, she yeah, she had a super, super hard time for that. Like you get to experience it and then it's immediately taken away from you. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's been rough. So I've, I've experienced a lot in the house, like all different dynamics. Okay. Uh, last song, last new song, I should say on the project is Montel Williams. Um, <laughs> Armand, you're slowly going to come around on this Kendrick album. I know it. It's only been three or four years. <laughs> Yo, my, my, my wife was playing in the car a few weeks ago and I was like, this isn't bad. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to be it's going to be the Channel Orange thing again. Like, I yeah. hated Channel Orange. And then five years later, I was like, oh, it's not bad. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, to me, this is, I mean, you had talked about sequencing earlier. This is an interesting choice to end the project with because, like, this, this beat feels heavy or, like, it feels like the only way to rap on this beat is to talk about something very weighty. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it, it kind of mm-hmm. gives that kind of vibe. So, why end with this song? Um... I didn't want to end with afros and bell bottoms because I thought my verse was too heavy. <laughs> and I didn't want to end with something like Black Effect, the Sea Bear and Jamal. Like I felt like all of those songs were necessary to be where they were. It was two things. One, we just ran out of music and it just sometimes the outro just sits as the outro because yeah. you care more about where the other songs sit than where this one sits. But I also think that like our content, um, at at certain points it's a little uh like hopeful i think there's some i think there's some glimpses of hope in there and i I wanted to end on that and i also wanted to end on i wanted to put an emphasis on the bonus records serving as like a break yeah um you know where it's like just the new music ends but these other records are important too because you need a break from the other seven songs that we just talked about so it it wasn't anything deep or any other reason why i just just kind of just the other songs are more important to sit where they were. I don't know where else Montel Williams would have sat. Taylor, I got a question for you. So in general, when you're rapping over a beat that someone else has used, there is, I feel like it has to be a, a purposeful choice to incorporate like similar rhyme schemes or similar flows to what the artist did on the original song. Y'all do that here at Spots. Did you, I mean, I'm a, that's got to be sort of purposeful, but it's got to come with some risks, right? where you don't want to sound yep. like you're just doing karaoke. So wh- yep. why, why that choice for this song? Well, when I, I take, I take a probably more a risky approach with that because I know how it can be viewed negatively, but in my mind, 
if it's if it's an artist I really care about and a song that I really love, then it, it's kind of like homage to me. You know, like this is my probably top two favorite songs off of that album. Um, it, it sold me on the album. You know, it came in a place where it was just like, okay, this is cool, this is cool, this is cool. And then when this this beat came on and and I heard just kind of like the depth of what he was covering on this record. I was like, oh yeah, like this is this is this is a dope album. But for me, like it also was like an opportunity to to really talk about what I was feeling in the moment. Like this more than any other part of the uh, the tape was like the opportunity to talk about like where my head was at. And I told Armand, like, look, this is gonna be my shortest verse, but this is probably gonna be my my best attempt at talking about like where my head and my heart is at personally uh, for me, not just for society and for, you know, what other people and stuff like that. So I felt like Kendrick did that on, on his um, album with this, with this song. But to Armand's point, like I wanted it to be a little bit more hopeful in the sense that was, ain't nobody praying for me. Like, you know, like, nah, like I, <laughs> I feel like I do get strength and inspiration from other people like I have people in my corner, I have a support system, uh, so it feels safe to go there. And as far as the rhyme scheme itself, like it was a challenge. It was like, look, let me take mm-hmm. on this challenge of of approaching it like Kendrick did, and um, and and actually paying attention to the cadence that should go with this kind of a beat. You know, like this this beat exists for a certain purpose, and I think that's. Kendrick's greatest strength is his delivery and his cadence, you know, and what better way to pay homage than to try to, to write a beat that way. Armand, any, uh, anything you want to add to that? No, I, I, I think the, you know, faster tempos are, you know, I think they're underrated in hip hop. I, I just rapidly rap dudes on faster tempos is just underrated. You know, we need to, we need to see more of that for sure. Okay, so Taylor, I know that I think we're basically at time for you, right? You gotta, you got, you gotta get out of here. Yep, yeah, yeah, But this is this is a good conversation. I told Armand, like, I think, I think, well, I wanted you to be the interviewer, you know, like, and and this is you guys' platform. You guys talk hip hop all the time. Respect what you guys do. Um, so I wanted to make time for this, but yeah, I have to dip. I um, I I, I love just the fact that we were able to bring in because really honestly doc what missed what maybe i'm missing from this conversation is like how you felt about the beat selection <laughs> you know like <laughs> because because i know you might have felt a way like I, I i wanted to know first of all do you know who produced life we chose i don't even remember it's um uh, is that L- is that elias it's either LES or, or Dame Grease. Hold on. I was going to look it up when we were talking about it, but I didn't want y'all to hear my typing. Um, Come on, man. That's that's the CRS staple. They got to hear the... <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that comes with it. But uh, I did want to know what you about the, yeah. the beat. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense, especially for that era. But what did you think about the beat that we chose? It, it's interesting. Um, Life We Chose, I never really loved that beat. I think the same way that you loved it. But then I heard when I heard y'all rap on, I was like, hmm. So then, of course, I did the producer thing where I went... I found the sample and then I made another beat with that sample because <laughs> that's what you do. Um, what I, yeah. <laughs> um, I think there was a, a couple of beats on here, you know, that where I thought y'all really got me to 
appreciate it in a different kind of way. Not that they were bad beats, but like not stuff I would have necessarily chosen. Right. I talked about black effect being one of those before where I feel like y'all, yeah. like y'all really brought that to life and actually like life we chose to a certain degree. Like, yeah, I know Nas wrapped in the original, but like, I, I don't know. I feel like y'all approached it in a certain way that, that really worked for me. Um, I, I think I'm trying to think, I mean, generally, yeah. I mean, the beat selection was, I can't say anything like none of it's bad. Any, anywhere close to bad. Would it was, I, it was fine. No, not even fine. It was good. It was really good. Um, I think um, what's interesting, I, yeah, I think you st- you sort of stayed away from stereotypical like, okay, I got to get my bars off on this hot beat of the moment. Like, there's nothing like that, but there's also <laughs> right. none of the like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, even though this would be an interesting approach, like we could do this for the next snooze button, right? Is like nothing but like the most iconic beats you've ever made. It's not like y'all are like, all right, and here's mm, eye for an yeah. eye. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, that was supposed to be five. I just, I just never got around to it, but that's definitely going to be a snooze button uh, thing for sure. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like how many, you know, like, it, you know, the Jay and Beyonce project came out, you know, was that last year? <laughs> I think it's like two years ago. Two years ago? Two years like, ago, yeah. You know, yeah. That's not a beat that people reach back for, even though it's, it's a dope beat. And, you know, life we chose, like we said, that feels like it kind of kind of comes out of nowhere. But like if you if you're our age, you know that beat instantly. You know what I mean? Um, you got a mix of old, you got a mix of new. I don't know. I think y'all did really good. Dope, man. That means that means a lot coming from you, man, because <laughs> when when you say it's fine. I know it's not good. <laughs> it hurts a little bit when I say it's fine. Yeah, it does, bro. It does things. And, and, and if you felt that way, I, I thought Dimitri probably might have been the closest you might feeling that way. But um, I thought Dimitri was dope. No, I, I heard that beat and I was like, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, because I, I, I hadn't heard that project. I was like, and I was like, huh. And then I was listening to it. You know, my arms were crossed a little bit like they're crossed right now. And I was just like, uh, I don't know about this. But then, you know, it kind of grows and you're like, all right, all right. I see what they're doing here. Yeah. I see what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, listen, we didn't get like what happened to that boy or a Millie or nothing <laughs> like that. Like, you know, <laughs> we just, I think we stayed in a more of a classic hip hop feel. Yeah. And it's interesting, like the how the audience enjoyed that because, the the big artists who are supposed to be like releasing albums and stuff like that, like Drake made like a subtle suggestion that he was releasing the album in June and then he just disappeared. That, that whole thing just disappeared. Like the bigger artists who released the box and all the hits and stuff like that, they seem to kind of have been a little quieter and people were really ready for the old heads to like you need to hear some real hip hop, and I felt like we took that approach. I said, we hey. took that approach with this one. <laughs> so I, I, that that gave me some joy to say, like, yeah, we got to show them a little bit, like you know, yeah, yeah, because people otherwise they wouldn't like. Now is the time for content. You know what I'm saying like any any other time, people wouldn't really be trying to hear you know, the rapidy rappers and, and what they have to say. But like now people are looking for answers. People are looking for, for hope. They're looking for something. Well, and it's like, Oh, here we here, put a beat on. Well, there's, and there's an well, entire we started with rap city, the yeah. rap city, the basement was the start like that. Come on. Yeah. There's an entire generation of, of us who grew up on hip hop and bought a lot of CDs in the nineties and early two thousands before we realized we weren't going to buy CDs anymore. But there's a, there's a huge audience for that. And it's an audience that, 
you know, hip hop is now big enough and contains so many multitudes and so many different generations that yeah, it doesn't have to be niche anymore to do what y'all are doing. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yep. So, all right, guys, I do, I do have to jump off, but man, this is a dope conversation. Appreciate it, man. We hope you enjoyed side A of this week's episode. Please check out side B at clockradiospeakers.com.